0: I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to episode 11. Wow, double digits. Can you believe it? Actually, I guess we hit double digits last week with episode 10, but I didn't think about it then, Uh, so I'm appreciating it now. So... Excellent. We've hit double digits and we'll be here for a while until next year sometime when we can hit triple digits. But that's a long way from now. So thanks for sticking with me all the way here to episode 11. We've got a really good interview today with women's empowerment coach Nisha Moodley. Nisha is a former health coach who was helping women with emotional eating and found that she just wasn't walking her talk. She was getting really burnt out, stressed out, working all the time and just really not bringing her life into balance. And so she did some work on herself and now how she helps women and specifically women entrepreneurs to really find freedom in their businesses and start achieving their dreams now. And this episode is a little bit longer than normal because our conversation was just fabulous. We talked about all sorts of things ranging from how to avoid burnout in your business, how Nisha builds freedom into her business and even went by coastal before she could afford it. We talk about imperfection and that sense of needing to be perfect, but how you can actually infuse imperfection into your marketing and how to know what to share and when to be vulnerable online and when just to keep it to yourself. And then Nisha also shares some of her pitfalls that she's seen just from working with many female entrepreneurs over the years. So it's one of these interviews that's really grounding, but also uplifting reality check. So it kind of gives you that sense of, you know, it's okay where I am and this is the journey any other people have been on and this is totally normal and kind of brings you back down to yourself and back into yourself. So I just love talking to Nisha. It was great. But first, I wanted to tell you that I've got something exciting coming up. If you need to build your email list, if you feel like you don't have enough people on your email list. I ran a program at the end of last year called First 100 Fans, and I'm gonna be running that again later this spring. And it's actually the only time I'm gonna run this program live. After that, I'm going to convert it into a on-demand program, so you can take it whenever you want. But what's cool is when it's live, you can actually ask me questions and interact with people and get live feedback. So it's a really good opportunity if you're looking to build your list. So if you are looking to build your list, then what I'd recommend is you hop over to com slash findyourfans and I'll put that link in the show notes too. But if you hop over to find slash fans and just sign up for my email list uh, and I'll let you know when that program's gonna go live so you can join it with me. Um, actually, if you're on any of my email lists, you'll hear about it, but that's the specific email list for that program. And last thing is I wanted to give a shout out to one of my clients, Catherine Matthews, for your lovely review on iTunes. Catherine says, Amanda is your expert guide. I've learned so much from her through her successful blogs, her training programs, and hiring her as my tech coach. These podcasts are simply the icing on the cake. Well-conceived, richly informative, and chock-full full of practical tips for the listener. Why, thank you, Catherine. If you haven't already, please go subscribe in iTunes, and if you leave me a review, I'll give you a shout-out too. Okay, now, without taking any more of your time, let's jump into this interview with Nisha. So Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Nisha Moodley, a women's empowerment coach that you probably have heard of if you've spent any time poking around the internet and looking at all of these freedom and and flexible businesses and women doing amazing things. I'm sure you've probably come across Nisha, but she has a fabulous website called Fierce Fabulous And what I really love about Nisha is that she's all about designing your business and your life in a way that really empowers you and and gives you freedom and flexibility in your life. And I love that. That's one of the reasons I love online business. So I'm really excited to talk to Nisha today about how she's built her own business and how she's made it so authentic and to have her share some tips on how we can do that, too. So welcome to the show, Nisha.
1: Thank you so much, man. It's so great to be here with you today.
0: For people that don't know you, can you just give us a little, you know, a quick overview of what it is that you do and what your business looks like today?
1: Yes. So, you know, everything I do is based on the belief that the world will be set free by women who are free. So, what does that mean? You know, a few years ago, I was running a health coaching business. I was coaching women to find freedom from emotional eating. And I loved the business. I did not though, love running the business, like the actual business aspect of the business was really difficult for me. And I was finding that I was working crazy hours and I started to recognize that I was actually exhibiting workaholic tendencies. So I had been a foodaholic before. I had been an, an overeater, an emotional eater. And I realized at this point a, few, a handful of years ago, wow, I'm doing the same thing with work. I'm using work to avoid things in my life. I'm working 24-7. It's dominating my mental space. And it was around that time that I heard the Dalai Lama quote um, at from the World Peace Summit. He said, the world will be saved by the Western woman. And I was like, that's awesome (laughs) because I'm a Western woman and I'm, you know, I got into this field. I I studied holistic health and nutrition and got into this because I wanted to help people. And I, you know, and I wanted to have this great business and and have these additional freedoms that I have, that I have access to as a Western woman. But I was also confused because I was trying and I was burning out and felt like I was on the verge of quitting. It was really frustrating. And that's so, so hard,
0: isn't it? Especially in health and wellness. I mean, everyone listening is in health and wellness too. And we talk to our clients so much about self-care and balance and not, you know, the damaging effects of stress and trying to take care of yourself. And it's so hard if you're, you almost start to feel inauthentic if you're working, you know, in a crazy way, like how you were talking about. And then how can you, you know, you feel inauthentic than telling your clients that they need to slow down and take care of themselves. Totally.
1: Yeah, totally. I was um, I was it was completely inauthentic. I was working 24/7 and then talking to my clients about self-care. It was absurd. So, this is when and to your point, I came to the conclusion that the western woman who would save the world were the ones who were being the change. And so this is where my sort of core belief around my work, which is the world will be set free by women who are free, came from. And as I sort of made that transition for myself in developing a better lifestyle for myself right away and starting to work more effectively and efficiently rather than just working a lot (laughs) and really doing a deeper dive into the things that I had been avoiding by using my work. Like my marriage at the time was falling apart and there were other parts of my life that I just wasn't attending to. So as I really started turning the lens onto myself and not only did my life get better, but my business also grew because I'm now the walking, talking embodiment of my teachings. And from there I then started, you know, feeling this incredible passion because I saw this everywhere. Women entrepreneurs burning out. And so I started to I had this incredible passion to support these women in, in sort of going on their own versions of the journey that I had been on. And that's the work that I do now. So I'm no longer directly in the wellness space. I'm sort of indirectly in the wellness space and that I support a lot of, especially a lot of people in the wellness space. But my role in the ripple effect is I support women entrepreneurs and coaches in having their work get out into the world in a really sustainable way so this means that they are building their businesses really sustainably and they're also living their lives really sustainably and I look at all of that with them
0: what was that change shifting your business like that what was that like for you I mean was did you know that it would work or were you scared to switch it or how was that
1: you know, I think that that people will come sometimes to a breaking point in their lives, like a great tragedy will happen or there's just something where we realize, okay, I don't care what it takes, I have to make a change. And for me, for better or for worse, I had kind of landed in that place. You know, my marriage was really falling apart. We were on the verge of divorce and, you know, I had missed my grandmother's funeral. And like, there was a lot of things. I miss one of my best friend's weddings because I was busy. I was working and I was struggling with money. And it was just so frustrating to be in this place. I thought something's got to give something has to change. I got into this business so that I create more freedom for these women from their food addiction so that I could have more freedom in my life. This is not working. You know, yes, I'm helping them, but I'm not having the life that I want. So it was confusing a bit. Sure. It was scary. I wanted to make sure that I Took the right steps, but I was also really, really motivated to make the change. I Mm -hmm. knew it had to happen. Mm
0: -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about freedom, actually, because I just—that's one of my core values for my own life and my business, and and which is helpful to know because it helps you make decisions. I think is what I'm trying to think. You know, when I don't take on activities and I don't put my business, I don't develop it in directions that's going to limit my freedom. And so I, I love to hear from other people that that also really value that. How do you build freedom into your business?
1: Well, that's a great question. So I think in order to figure out what the next steps are, we have to know where we're going. So I think that for me, there are kind of two parts. And I don't know for yourself or anyone listening, if you're familiar with Danielle Laporte's book, The Desire Map.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Fantastic book. Danielle is a dear friend and just brilliant. And the the core, one of the core teachings of The Desire Map is that when you understand what your core desired feelings are, the feelings that you most want to feel, you can use those as a compass in your life, which is sort of taking the way that we typically do striving and success and flips it on its head. So rather than saying, I'm just going to work, 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 work. And once I get there, I'm going to somehow, hopefully, miraculously be happy. Or we say, well, wait, how do I want to feel? And let me actually choose the actions that are cultivating those feelings in my life right now, which therefore means I'm actually experiencing success now. And then I can continue to go towards what I want from this space of freedom. And so I like to say that as your core desired feelings are your compass, your future vision is your north star. And so for me, the future vision is like a snapshot into how do I want my life to look, not only feel out there in the future, and then the, the daily moment to moment checking in with my core desired feelings is how I suss out what actions to take now. And so, you know, I think that what a lot of people do is the in the pursuit of freedom, they do the exact opposite of freedom, which is they wait they put things off so oh well you know i want to have this business where i can travel to different countries and work from my laptop and you know i want to be able to take courses like this and i want to spend more time with my family and i want to deepen my spiritual practice and so let me just get through this launch let me just get this website out let me just hit you know six figures let me do that and then i'll be able to have those things but that's old paradigm it doesn't work it mm-hmm. just doesn't work that way i did it i tried it i hit six figures I still didn't have more time for my husband. Mm -hmm. I still didn't spend more time with my family. Then I got a little higher. It didn't happen. It wasn't until I decided, okay, this is my life happening now. And yes, I have this beautiful future vision, but how do I want to feel now? And how can I readjust my life in service of that. So how do you build in freedom from that place becomes about asking yourself, how do I infuse the things that I desire into my life now? You want to spend more time with your family? Start today, this week. Spend more time with your friends? Start now. For example, I went by coastal before I had the money to go by coastal I sublet my apartment I got a place out on the West Coast. This is when I was living in New York and bought the plane ticket. And I ended up saving money that month by living in a different city. Mm -hmm. So it's entirely possible for us to do these things now without waiting. And it's just about being open to that possibility and creative about making the choices.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Actually, I really love Danielle's book. And I've been through it a couple of times. I'll put a link to it down in the show notes of this episode if if people aren't familiar with it. But it's really at first I I remember, you know, I read it and I thought, oh, well, how can I have that now? Because I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. I can't have that now. But then when you start really thinking about it, you think, well, how do you want to feel? There are ways to feel abundant or wealthy or free that you can, you know, even if it's just I don't know, just little things that you can do in your day to start to get those qualities into your life. And then they just seem to multiply.
1: Yes. And they're not always fun or frivolous. I think this is an important point too, is that we think, oh, well, yeah, but I have real work to do. So it's nice that you want to feel feminine and secure, but like, (laughs) come on, we got work to do. But here's the thing, you know, I might talk to a client who's been slogging away and the thing, and I find out that they really want to feel more security in their business and that would have them feeling more Spacious, And I'm like, okay, great. When was the last time that you really ran the numbers, that you really sat with your budget, that you really looked at how much is coming in and going out each month? And it's sometimes just that real practical work of getting real with what is financially, for example, that creates that feeling of security in the moment. It's not, it's, it's, again, it's about being clear about how we want to feel, where we're headed, that future vision, and then also being creative, open to the possibility that we can have this now. And being creative with the solutions.
0: And don't you find that, I mean, I know I've run up against this situation myself too, is that a lot of times, especially women entrepreneurs, I think we're waiting, we're almost waiting for permission. Like we're waiting for somebody this, I know that I have this, I definitely have come up against this where it's like oh, well, I'll hit some level. And then it's like you want someone to say, okay, great, like you hit six figures. Now you can take Fridays off and do this and that, you know, and, and travel the world because now you've hit this certain level. And it's so funny that we're still waiting for things. Like that. so many of us are waiting for things like that. And you really have to give it to yourself. Yeah, totally. And,
1: you know, as entrepreneur in the wellness space, what are we teaching our clients? We're teaching them to take to be empowered around the choices that they're making in their lives. And so the reality that the hard reality that I had to face was if I'm teaching my clients to be empowered around the choices that they're making in their lives, I have to... It around their food let's say i have to be empowered around the choices that i make in all of my life or i really am not a walking talking embodiment of my message i'm just not mm-hmm. yeah it's that it's it's getting that we are in a time now where it doesn't matter if you have the perfect marketing language the right hook, you've drilled down your par- target market, you've got you know the perfect strategy. If you're not actually being a true embodiment of what you're teaching, and we're not perfect, which is also important, I think, to weave. This is a whole other conversation we could have about that, weaving into our teachings that there's space to be imperfect because we are imperfect. But to be your wonderfully imperfect self and a true embodiment of what you're teaching Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that we really have to look at in this space, especially as helpers and healers, how we're showing up in our own lives.
0: Yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit more about that concept of it's okay to be imperfect, because in specifically in terms of like an online presence, I love your website. I mean, it's just I don't know you, but it, it comes across so authentic and fresh and like it's you. Like it feels like you're just seeing you on your website, I think. And so there must be some element of, you know, (laughs) there's so many, you see so many of the websites and it's like, the perfect person, like these perfect lives that people are constructing. Because people tend to just like show the best bit of themselves online and like creating these personas that are just completely unattainable. But I think, you know, somehow you've struck that balance where you're kind of showing yourself as a real person. Mm. And so I think there must be some element of bringing that, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you bring some of that imperfectness into your online presence and your marketing? How do you do that?
1: Yeah, it's actually one of the most challenging or upsetting things for me. I mean, I don't revel in getting negative feedback. You know, when I receive that, that's always, you know, a bit of a tough pill to swallow when it mm -hmm. happens. But I also don't revel in the experience of feeling put on a pedestal. And if I ever experience that somebody's like, has that going on with me, the uncomfortable feeling that I have is like, oh, like I hope I didn't contribute to them thinking that that I'm better than them, that there's some like level of perfection that I've attained, because it's not true. And you know, I do my work, I do my inner work, I do my outer work. So, you know, I'm not like flagging myself, but I do recognize that there's that thing, that hierarchy thing that happens. So, yes. And the way that I do it, the way that I let myself allow myself to be more vulnerable is I recognize that there are different spaces of vulnerability. You know, there is vulnerability where somebody you love just passed away or your heart is freshly broken or your kid is sick and you don't know what to do them, that kind of like raw, ripped open, tender vulnerability that I would never ask the internet to hold me in. Because I don't know everyone on the internet. Mm-hmm. Who do I go to with that stuff? I go to my mom. I go to my girlfriends. I go to, you know, to my partner. I go to like the closest people in my life who I will literally like cry on their lap and receive that support. So that's one thing. I just don't take that onto the internet because I'm not asking these people, whoever's out there on in Facebook, whoever might be listening on the internet to, to hold that space, to hold me when I'm in that space. Because I, I, there are people who I trust to do that. So what I do is when I get through the weeds of that, if there's some lesson that I have learned that I think will be truly valuable to my people. So it has to be relevant as well, right? To the people I'm speaking to, you know, to my market. Mm-hmm. But If there's some lesson that I've derived that I think might be relevant, then I will share the experience that I went through and what I learned. And in part, because that's just my writing style and it's my natural way of expressing is a little more like I'm with you, sister, sort of vulnerability. But also in part, I just want people to understand that I love my life. I feel super grounded in my life. I love my business. And it doesn't mean that I never make mistakes or that my life is perfect, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, have humans that I love that bad things can happen to. And I still have a heart that can get broken. And I still sometimes don't make choices that I would make that I, in retrospect, would have made. And so I like to share that I'm human in that way. And but I also like to share through the frame of like, here's what I'm learning, or here's what I've learned, or here's what I'm in inquiry of that I'm inviting you to come along with me on that journey,
0: right to get through the emotional charge of it, and then kind of have a bit of perspective, how you can relate it back to your audience and have a lesson to come away with it. Yeah,
1: yes. And I know that it's, the right time to do that when I no longer need, when I no longer, you know, I'm so triggered by it that the thought of it alone is like driving me into tears or or worry or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm out of the trigger. And I'm really clear what the lesson is that I've derived from it. And it's an empowering lesson. And if I'm not clear, I don't force it. I don't force it just so I can write a great article. I let myself be in my natural process in life. And then when and if that shows up, then the lesson shows up and it's clear and it's relevant to my audience Then I share.
0: So Anisha, I know you've worked with many, many women entrepreneurs over the years. And I'm wondering if you could share some of the common, maybe a couple of the places that you see that women commonly get stuck in their businesses.
1: Hmm. Yes. Know, in terms of
0: mindset or just issues, things that, that you see over and over mm-hmm. that get stuck on.
1: So a few things. One is just in general, having an impatience with the process, the entrepreneurial journey. You know, I've been doing this for almost seven years now. And so it's taken me almost seven years to get here. And I was also in the place in my life that I was in. When I started, I I don't have children. I haven't had children through this process. Um, I have a a stepdaughter who's, you know, grown almost off to college now, but I, I haven't raised any of my own children through this journey. So I've had a lot more space to be more selfish and take more time for it. I started the journey when I was 27. You know, when you're 27, you feel differently than you do when you're 21 or 60. Mm-hmm. And I just had the particular energy of a healthy 27-year-old. So, you know, I it's taken me seven years and it's taken me seven years in my own life at this time in my life. And I think that what I see women often do is get really down on the process. So they do a teleclass and 20 people sign up and they all of a sudden want to throw in the towel. And it's like, yeah, you got to do like 20 more teleclasses before you throw in the towel. You got to do this like a hundred more times. You need to write, you know, 300 more blog posts and then come back and talk to me. And so one of my clients, I said to her once as she was starting her business a few years ago, she was like, oh, I've done, you know, five initial consultations and nobody signed up. And I'm just wondering whether I should even be doing this at all. And I think existential crises are very natural in this space. But I also said to her, listen, go out and get 50 no's for me. Like do 50 more consultations. Mm -hmm. And if 50 people say no, then let's talk. And along the way, if you have questions about how to handle these conversations. I'm going to be there to support you with those questions, but just keep going. And so she went out over the course of a handful of months, did 50 conversations. And of course, by the end of it, she had a full client roster. So it's just that stick with it-ness and that it's the sort of patience, persistence paradox of sticking with it and also being patient that this process might take some time. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of variables for all of us, you know, depending on where you are in your life and what your money situation is like and your family situation
0: and all of that. So. That's one big thing. Well, I think I wasn't planning on talking about this, so I didn't look up the quote, but I heard a quote recently that was something like, don't compare your inside to somebody else's outside. Mm. And I think so many of us, especially if you're building your business online, we tend to like sign up to all these other newsletters and follow all these people. And what you see is all their success because that's what people are talking about. So they're, you know, talking about these, their amazing book deal and they, you know, got... 300 people enrolled in their program and all of this. But then for you look at yourself and you know all the little insecurities and and the reality of the situation inside. And it's not really fair to compare that inside to this marketing stuff that you see of somebody else's business because you don't actually know what's going on in their business. So I think it can be quite, you have to kind of tune it all out and just keep going on your path. Totally. And getting a lot of support. And that's the Mm -hmm. other thing I,
1: I see people often doing is just like hole up behind the computer Computer And like watch other people's webinars and teleclasses and read their copy and their content and then try to cobble something together of their own, but not really getting the richer support, you know, the coaching or the masterminding with another group of people that can support you in your journey. And so if I could go back in time and do something different, I would get that support
0: earlier. So even if, because something that comes up a lot is people think, oh well, I can't really afford it, mm-hmm. right? I think that there's not one answer that's right
1: for everybody. I think some people have a high tolerance for going into debt and making the investment, and if that is you, then awesome, go for it. I think that some people will completely panic and clam up if they have any debt, and so maybe they need to mm. be a little more bootstrap about it, and you know, get get make some money before they reinvest that money. I will say that it makes sense to just. Re- Reinvest if, as much as you can. And this is why I think bridge jobs are great in the beginning, but to reinvest a lot of that income that you have in the beginning back into the business, I still invest a huge amount of my income back into the business. So reinvesting it back, getting that coaching, getting that support so you can move forward. But also I think being creative, you know, I worked with clients before and I've talked with people who have said that they, they feel like they want more support or my clients have wanted a community if I'm working with them one-on-one and they just want to community that they can work with. And I say, great. So hook up, get on the phone with a couple of people who you feel like are kind of around, like they've got like a solid level of ambition. They're kind of in it to win it in their business and you feel like like like-minded, like I want to hang out with these people. I am friends with them or I want to become better friends with them and create a little mastermind group and get on the phone together once Mm -hmm. a week, every single week, like make it one of the most important appointments on your calendar and get together and talk about life and business together and support one another in moving forward. That doesn't cost anything. It costs time, but it's time that is well spent. And so I think that if everybody just started collaborating in these communities in this way and supporting one another in the space of sisterhood or, or, or community, it is so incredibly
0: valuable. I totally second that because yeah, like you said, you can just form a mastermind with people that you feel like are, you know, the same kind of ambition and a level in their business. And it is so helpful to have outside eyes look at what you're doing. Cause we ju- you just get so stuck. I don't think you can help it. Just you you get blinded to what's actually happening in your own business because you're so in the weeds. And just having that time once a week or once a month where you actually hold each other accountable and have a fresh perspective and brainstorming and support, it's good, especially as a solopreneur. It makes you feel less alone, right? You've got Mm -hmm. people to support you. It's really important.
1: Yes. And I want to stress that I think it's so important for us, To have that community where we can share all of ourselves with them. That it's not, even if it's a business mastermind, it's not just a conversation about business. And so why is that? I'm not saying that you're necessarily going to get advice about every single thing from this community. But for example, I remember sitting in Mastermind once and one of my clients said, okay, here's the launch, here's the schedule, here's the plan. And she wanted advice for the launch schedule. And one of the other women said, listen, hey, before we talk about that, you mentioned that you're struggling with adrenal fatigue. I know you've been working on it for the last couple of months. And this launch schedule looks really intense. So I wanna know either A, do you have a plan for really taking care of yourself and your adrenals through this launch, or do we need to rework this launch to support your healthy body? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a health coach to ask that question, but just to know the full picture of what's going on in someone's life so that when they're saying, oh I'm gonna do this launch or how would it look if I did it this way or you know should I get um, should I focus on building my one-on-one clients right now or building a group program you have people who understand your whole life and can say, oh well, What are you going to do with the kids? Or, hey, you said that you need to spend more time with your husband, or you've been wanting to spend more time with girlfriends, or what's going on with your adrenals. Mm -hmm. So really important, I think, to bring all of ourselves into that conversation, share what's going on in our whole life, even if it is a more business-focused mastermind, so that we can get really comprehensive, holistic support.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point, actually. I'm curious what your thoughts are on competition, because I know, you know, I've, I've worked with some women that feel like they're hesitant to tell other people what they're doing or to be in touch with people that they think are competitors. Um, And in my experience, it hasn't really, I've actually found it super helpful to connect with people doing something very similar to what I'm doing. So I'm curious what your. but I know a lot of people have that fear about competition. So what's your take on that?
1: So if you run a business or a life or anything from a space of fear, you're just in contraction and it's going to be just pretty miserable. I mean, go for it if you want, but you know, for anyone who's listening, go for it. But for me, it doesn't feel like a way to live. And so anything that I, any motivation that I recognize or posturing or adjusting that is coming from a space of fear, I just, I got to flip my frame around it. So that's just a general, general tenant that I adhere to. But in this specific case, right, competition, I just don't believe that there is competition. And, you know, maybe it sounds a little like optimistic or flowery to say, but it's true that there's just, there is nobody who can be a better Nisha, like a better me than me. And I can't be a better Amanda than you, <laughs> like you know? And so I think we're in this time right now where people are hiring us, not just because we can fulfill their needs, right? So there was a time where if you wanted to, if you wanted to take a yoga class, you might open the yellow pages and look for a yoga teacher, right? Maybe yoga wasn't that popular. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in this part of the world before we had the internet. But, anyways, mm-hmm. you get the, you want something, you'd open the yellow pages and you'd see that, you know, one or two people in your community who were offering that. Well, now we have the internet and we can do things online. And there literally people have thousands of options,
0: mm-hmm.
1: hundreds of thousands of options for everything that they could want to do. And so, what differentiates us is that we are ourselves. And this is why I think it comes back to being a true embodiment of your teachings and living your life the way that you want to teach by example others to live their lives. And by the way, if reaching that bar is too high for you, maybe you should readjust the message. (laughs) So that's another piece. But yeah, I think that the way that I look at it is there is no competition. There are plenty of women who do work that I'm sure is very similar to me. And there are plenty of women whose messages I'm sure are very similar to mine. And they are not my competition. They're just other women doing it. And I actually, the frame that I have is, oh, thank goodness. Like, thank goodness I live in a world where I don't have to carry this on my own, where other people are also out there doing this good work. And, you know, that people who I feel this like, yes, sister, I'm with Mm -hmm. you. We agree on this. And so now whenever I get triggered in jealousy or comparison, I just sort of look at like, wait a minute, hold on. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that there's someone else doing this out there. I'm so glad that I'm not the only one who cares about this. And I just sort of start to see her as a sister, you know, in the same mission as me. And how can we, first of all, just become friends as two women who have something very important to us and close to our heart in common. And once we become friends, maybe we'll collaborate. Maybe we won't. It doesn't really matter. But
0: I do seek to have them in my world as friends. Mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, especially online there's so many choices that people have but also the potential audience is so much bigger so it's not like you're in a small town and you have two people running a coffee shop and you have to directly try to take the same customers i mean there's just this massive amount of potential customers so i think it's it's okay right there's enough for all of us to do yes. our little piece and and people are going to resonate with with you or with me or differently and and that's all right and so i think that's so much more of a positive freeing spacious way to think about business than like land grabbing and trying to keep this all for yourself and fight off the competition. It's just, yeah, it's much more feminine in a way, actually. Yes.
1: And when people quote unquote, compete from fear, they do things like, oh, we're just going to make the cheapest one. We're going to be cheaper. We're going to talk badly about those guys so that you're going to, right? I'm using your two Mm -hmm. coffee shop analogy, right? Two Mm -hmm. coffee shops. Oh, we're just going to discount or we're going to talk about how badly, oh, they burn their beans. We don't do that. And so we're just going to slag on them and make to make ourselves look better. And then hopefully they play the competitive game instead of the, oh, How can we both win? Yeah. You know, how can we just differentiate ourselves? We don't have to be better, but we are different. How can we express those differences without it being about a better or worse? We're just different, right. right? And so now this coffee shop is the coffee shop that you go to if you like listening to punk music and having your coffee in this particular French press. And it's like very welcoming if that's your vibe. And then this other coffee shop is like totally different vibe. They're just different mm-hmm. they're or not, they're not worse. They're just different. And I think that for us to let more of ourselves shine through in our work rather than like you said the land grab and the hoarding.
0: Well Nisa, we're starting to run a bit low on time, but I was wondering if you could share some of your favorite books or resources. Yeah, just for your <sighs> that have been inspiring to you. Because I know we all love reading. I have shelves full of books. And I know I know we always like a good book recommendation. So do you yeah. have any
1: to share? So many. So I love Danielle Laporte's desire map. Mm-hmm. I also love the Firestarter sessions. That book of hers is fantastic. Yeah, for entrepreneurs, I would say there's an excellent book called The E-Myth Revisited, E for Entrepreneur, The E-Myth Revisited. Mm -hmm. The 4-Hour Workweek is a classic. Yeah, totally. I've learned so much from Tim over the years and that book is just incredible. And he really does live his teachings, too. It's really beautiful to watch firsthand. I also read a lot of fiction. So I'm just going to put that out there. I think that it can be, we can get really caught up in doing business and reading about business all the time. And so I also encourage people to, you know, maybe if you're really in the nonfiction, like for a year, if you look at my bookshelves, it's mostly like self-help, health, and business. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people to, if you're in that world as well, where you read a lot of nonfiction, like alternate read a nonfiction book and then read a fiction book, just get lost, you know, in some like crappy romance novel or some like beautiful piece of prose. I don't know, but just like to get lost in fiction because there's more to life than working. Oh, Oh, I love it. I'm so glad you said that.
0: And we'll end on that note then. There's more to life than work. So it's good. So thank you so much, Nisha. Can you tell or or share where people can find you if they'd like to connect or learn more about you?
1: Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter at Ask Nisha. On Facebook, you can look me up. It's Nisha Moodley. And my website is fiercefabulousfree.com.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, Nisha. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Wow. So are you feeling grounded and like you're in a much better place with your business? I know i really got a sense of calm and purpose after talking with Nisha. It was a really great interview. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you learned during this interview and what you're going to change so that you can start realizing your business dreams now. So you can hop over to wellpruneronline.com 11, which will bring you to the show notes and you can leave a comment there or a question and, and interact and let me know what you've got out of this interview. Also, don't forget that I've got my live training program, First 100 Fans, coming up very soon. So if you want to be notified about that to grow your email list, you can jump over to wellpureronline.com/find slash findyourfans or just sign up for any of my email lists and I'll let you know when the program is ready for you to sign up for. So thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you would share it with your friends because a lot of people still don't know how awesome podcasts are. So please share it with your friends or leave me a review on iTunes. I really appreciate all of the support so we can reach as many health and wellness entrepreneurs as possible. Have a great week and I'll see you back here in the next episode.